In this episode, we have a special guest to discuss basic rhythm in English with Azruval, an English teacher and coach. And today we'll specifically be talking about basic rhythm with a focus on time-stressed languages, stressed and reduced sounds, and connected speech. Hi, everybody. My name is Astrubal. I am from Guatemala. I'm an English teacher, and I have been working as a teacher for over seven years now. Such a, probably not a long time. Doesn't it go by fast? Yeah. Yeah. Super fast. Like, uh-huh. I mean, when I started, I never imagined I would actually like end up being a teacher. Like when I started teaching, I didn't think because I was studying psychology back then. Mm. So I thought I would want to be a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. And now I'm an, an English coach. So uh-huh. cool and what made that? you change? <laughs> what made you choose psychology in the first place? And then what made you change? I bet there's a story there. I think that my mental health, um, my mental health journey and going to therapy kind of inspired me. And I've always been interested in human behavior. So it was like, and I'm still interested and I love neurosciences and stuff like that. But when I was in my eighth semester, I was already, I had already been working for like four years as a teacher and I just fell in love with it. Mm. And English improved a lot. So, and the experience of helping others speak a different language and feel confident doing doing that mm-hmm. was very motivating so i decided to drop out of college and mm-hmm. study my certification and here i am wow you really <laughs> pivoted then that's a, that's a bold move and i always feel like no offense to anybody out there who chose teaching to begin with but i always feel like the best teachers are the ones who didn't choose it from the start but people who kind of pivoted into that in my yeah. experience that's always been really interesting because you bring so much more from it, especially yeah. like neuro- neurology, neuro stuff, let's say, how has that impacted you in in teaching, like your previous training in or interest in psychology? Oh, a lot. Like I understand certain things. Well, I mean, I don't want to say that I know more things other teachers don't, but I, I, I do want to say that I have a background that probably most teachers don't have, mm, which is mm-hmm. I've been really helpful, like when it comes to uh, students behavior, motivation. Mm like uh, intrinsic motivation and stuff like that. So uh, how the brain works, how the brain learns. So that has helped me develop better uh, strategies maybe, or at least take into consideration those uh, psychological factors that definitely affect learning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always like something else behind the thing, right? Somebody is having a struggle or a challenge, and then you find out more about how they think about the thing or how they process things or how they learn best. And then that's usually the key, I find. So I'm guessing that makes you just a a really interesting person to work with because you have those insights, you know, that other people might not have. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you what do you focus on now? What's your main focus? Oh, well, well, I started as a normal, I guess, regular English teacher teaching from beginners to intermediate advanced and just general English, grammar, spelling, blah, blah. We used to have, in the first school I worked in, I worked at, uh, we used to have like four separate subjects, grammar, spelling, mm-hmm. reading, and, and conversation. It was mm-hmm. kind of challenging and a lot of work. But then I started like, we started nar- narrowing um, like our our approach, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to go full-time, like with my business, when I started mm-hmm. teaching online in the, during the pandemic, I decided and I made the conscious and very hard mm-hmm. choice 
of just doing what I love the mm. most and what I enjoy the most, which is conversation, speaking, confidence, mm-hmm. pronunciating. I even joined Hadar's Academy. Like, you know who she is. Did we She's amazing. meet there? Because I was in ETA too. Were you in ETA? Are you there? I did I'm not sure. Maybe we maybe no, we I, I passed for a couple of months. Okay. I was there for like the whole the whole thing, like whatever it was, two years or whatever. And yeah. so maybe our ships uh, kind of passed in the night. I didn't know you were in that. Maybe. How funny. How funny. That's why I, I started my group. It was such <laughs> a it was such a an enriching experience. And yes. And so I decided, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I love teaching pronunciation. My pronunciation has improved a lot. So, um, yeah, that's what I do now. I focus on conversation, speaking confidence, and um, intonation, pronunciation, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Here's a question. What made you decide to do that? Like, can you, can you tell us a story or remember a time when, as, as, as either a learner or as a teacher, when you when you found out that this was something important and and you wanted to focus on that, do you remember any specific times? Yeah, well, I don't think pronunciation was one of my biggest challenges, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Probably because I had amazing teachers, mm. but like I like maybe I caught the 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 pronunciation or the I don't know the accent or whatever you want to call it, um, pretty fast but i did realize it was an advantage mm-hmm. right like i started seeing the, like the benefits to it and when i had my students when i saw my students struggling with communicating and feeling like probably um afraid of expressing themselves or something like that it was because of their pronunciation so I, I saw it like a common factor, like a common thing among most of my students. This is my challenge. This is why I don't want to speak in public. This is why I know I, I do understand the language. I understand a lot. I listen. I read. I can have a conversation. But I hate the way I sound. Mm. So I realized, well, I went through the same experience. Like I, there was a point when I started learning where I was feeling scared uh, where people would make fun of me, maybe my classmates. And then I ended up being one of the most fluent speakers in my school out of the 50 mm-hmm. uh, in my class. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I mean, I'm proud of it, not in the wrong way. Like I'm proud of it because it, it was hard for me. So now I want to help others uh, go through the same journey um, and be with them as much as I can. And if I can make it easier for you, mm-hmm. then that's great. And feel the same triumphs maybe that you felt because, yeah, yeah, like like the whole background teacher thing, in my experience, not to knock anybody else, but in my experience, the best language teachers are the ones who've gone through it themselves and they they can show you the way that they figured it out or their path because they've, yeah, they've been there, right? So so to me, for like two reasons, you're already an amazing teacher. (laughs) Wow, thank you. And another important thing (laughs) that helped me... um, know and be 100% sure that this was my my thing mm-hmm. was that in Guatemala most academies I mean I've never studied in an academy I was I only learned at school yeah then uh I went to an academy for a year because mm-hmm. I was such a gullible person back then so they made me sign a contract and I had to pay for a year when 100 mm-hmm. gets started which is almost a hundred dollars a month oh my gosh and yeah 
so I was paying. So I, I, I would go twice a week, probably mm-hmm. just to practice. Didn't go the whole, the whole year. The thing is, I realized that from my students' um, stories or, mm-hmm. or experiences in other academies or in most academies, at least the most famous ones, most uh, language um, institutions do not have this special focus on mm-hmm. pronunciation. Yeah. At the end, and this is something we're going to discuss later on, it doesn't have to be your goal if you don't mm-hmm. want to. Yeah, yeah. Like It has nothing to do with being a good or bad speaker. Mm-hmm. I know people are a lot more fluent than me and know a lot more reading and writing and they can write an essay in an hour. It mm-hmm. t- takes mm-hmm. me hours to write a paragraph, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe their accent or their pronunciation isn't what people are used to, to listening to or to mm-hmm. hearing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I am, um, I'm not the only one. I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I think I am adding that extra value or that extra resource that maybe people can't find in other, in most places, maybe. Yeah, yeah, especially. And do you kind of feel like, like, A, maybe you were tricked a little bit as a student to get into this place, because I've worked for places like that too. Number two, is this also your experience where the the kind of official policy, but the the a policy of some of those places is to constantly tell you what's wrong, constantly tell you what you're not good at, Basically, to keep yeah. you there, right, and and to to focus yeah. on your weaknesses all the time in a in a not so productive way. Whereas I imagine, as as you're coaching, right, you're you're focusing on on their strengths and their abilities and how they can use those things to actually get better, right, and 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 work yeah. together mm-hmm. and provide them with feedback that is based on constructive criticism mm-hmm. and not. Productive, right? Like yeah. I'm not gonna tell you what you're doing wrong. And if I need to say even if I need to point out something you're mm-hmm. doing wrong yeah. or a mistake, yeah. I'm gonna give you the tools to fix it, also. not just point it out. Mm-hmm. Like that make mm-hmm. that, that makes no sense. Like and, and as you said, most places or most people um they sadly do it. Like mm-hmm. they point mm-hmm. out things and common mistakes and stop yeah. saying this and use this instead, mm-hmm. but they don't actually give you tools or they don't yeah. actually give you the um, like the confidence, mm-hmm. right, to, mm-hmm. to start making progress. Yeah, and it makes sense. And I know that individual teachers want that, but the institution as a whole kind of prefers yeah. to keep somebody there as long as possible, right? Because it's it's a numbers game. It's a volume exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things is like to say goodbye to people because they feel good and they don't need me anymore, mm-hmm. you know, or they can do all these things on their own. To me, that's the best. Imagine. And sometimes we start worrying. Like I've had, I've had a student for like two years. She's been with me for two years. Mm-hmm. And there there comes a point where you start thinking or second guessing and saying, okay, I, I'm glad she wants my service for this long, but and I, I've seen progress. She has felt she's been she's been feeling uh better and more fluent and whatever. But then you start questioning, but am I doing a good job? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she still picking lessons because she thinks it is Why not. Why is she working not moving on? Yeah. It's not moving on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, heard things that uh, as individuals, we're human beings and we have yeah. feelings yeah. and fears, right? Yeah. But I do enjoy when, I do love when a student says, for example, I, I work with a person who is now in a call center and I have no call center experience, but I do prepare people for interviews or mm. I help them fluency and understanding speakers mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was for me with probably like a month 
at the beginning, she was very excited and she wanted to have more lessons. But then the training and all the stuff and the call center is very absorbing. Yeah. So she was with me for a month. But in mm-hmm. that month, we, we saw each other like once a week. Yeah. It was so productive and so um, efficient work that a month was enough for yeah. her. So she right. was like, listen, I really want to continue taking lessons, but I can't because I have I don't have enough time. But your tools and what we did together helped me get where I where, where I am today. So mm-hmm. I was like satisfied. I was like, so okay, nice. it was just a month, but I, it was a great job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't know if you have this experience. When I first meet somebody, I I try to ask them what their what their life is like, what's their daily routine, what's their schedule like, mm-hmm. because I'd like to have an idea of how this is going to fit in to their lifestyle, right? Is it that I'll have somebody, for example, that says, oh, this month is really crazy. You know, maybe I'll see you once or twice, but next month I've got all the time in the world. And then you can kind of plan on that. So if I know in advance, I've only got a month with a student, you bet it's going to be like the gold nuggets and they should probably make more time to practice on their own. Whereas somebody who I see every single day, you know, they want a routine, they want that reinforcement, you know, for a time. And I feel like- When you know that, you can really tailor the experience, you know, to that person. Oh, yeah. And then got, and I've got, I've had um, the opposite experience too, Mm. which was kind of tough and hard to say goodbye to someone because you saw this person was not really into it. Like, Mm. and and I was worried at a personal level because I knew this person from like in a personal, Mm. like I knew her husband. Okay. And. It wasn't her paying for the classes. So I was like, listen, I really want to help you. I'm trying to give you the tools. I understand you have certain personal life stuff that are preventing you from being a little bit more consistent Mm -hmm. or constant. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's make it work. So we would try for a month and then for a month she didn't receive any, she didn't take any classes. Mm -hmm. And then the next month, so we we were like that for like a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, listen, I'm trying to be very professional. And I want to offer the best service I can, but I also have to recognize or acknowledge when when probably I might not be the best option for you because, or maybe you're not just life. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes yeah, it's just life. Like you, your schedule right now is not working uh, because you were to cancel lessons or stuff like that. So. Yeah. It was like hard, but it was necessary. Mm. Breakups are tough. <laughs> Never mind. It was, it was so hard. It was like mm-hmm. weird. Like, I felt like I was breaking up with my ex or something. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you you know a person and there's like another relationship there. Yeah. yeah breaking up with students is tough. Maybe it's not the right. Maybe like they, it's not a good time for them and they don't recognize it. Right. And they're trying to make everything work. And really what they, they, they want to take class, but what they actually need is to not take class, you know, for a while. And then yeah. maybe they're going to. Maybe they'll realize, oh, it's it's good that I'm not taking that class. I have other things to do right now and focus on. Yeah. Maybe they need that. But then maybe they need to realize like, oh, wait, I love this. I want to go back and I'm going to do it twice as good. Yeah, and I'll do my best, right? Yeah, so sometimes uh-huh. that's the best yeah. thing. So maybe she's coming back. I don't know if she's ever going to come back. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but it's great. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's this experience and this journey of being a teacher, especially an online teacher or, mm. or coach. It, mm-hmm. Challenging and it's full of ups and downs, but mm-hmm. you enjoy mm-hmm. every single moment and every yeah. single experience. Yeah, we've really had to change how we do things. I think, like during pandemic, I don't know about you, but I've had to learn so many new skills about like yeah. tech stuff. I'm not a tech person, and and cameras and apps yeah. and <laughs> things like that. And I've spent so much time and money figuring these things out, and 
and yeah, to make things work because it's just, it's a different world. I feel like now, you know, it's a time and money investment, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's both things and, but it was worth it. Like it's been three years. Can you believe that? Like three years since (laughs) COVID and it's like, when people ask me, how old are you? I say I'm 26. (laughs) Biologically 26, yeah. but I don't count 2020 and 2021, so I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> Those exactly. two years were kind of rough, right? Mm-hmm. No, not kind Those of, like were... crazy rough. Yeah. They were crazy. In the beginning, yeah. I was still working for the high school that I was working at. So we were, we were, I was working online, but only part time. And at the school, it was, you know, they shut it down. And then we were trying to do teaching remotely and figure that out, as well as get the students to figure it out. And if you remember, parents too, they were going nuts. They didn't know what to do with their kids and how all of this stuff works. So you kind of had to train the the other teachers, the students, the parents. Luckily, I already worked online, so I had an idea. And after, what, the first year or year or so, I don't know, two years, when the school wanted to start to come back, they wanted to do both in-person and online. And that was my breaking point. And I was like, no, I, ca- I can't be doing those two things. It's like a double full-time job plus yeah. working on my other stuff online so for me that was that was when i had to stop but i also had the same thing as you i i always really enjoyed when i was working at other schools i always really enjoyed seeing how people wanted more pronunciation more conversation and it just wasn't there it wasn't enough either in the book itself books themselves or in the the structure of the school right and what their priorities were so just like you that's why i I got into this. Now, textbooks that I read now are like very, uh, are getting, getting to it. Like there are, mm. we need mm-hmm. that uh, input and that thing printed mm. on the book because it's necessary, right? Um, and, I, and I really appreciate my first job because first it was the, the school I, I graduated from. Oh, nice. I spent beautiful 13 years there. Mm-hmm. So I really love that place and the people, the people who trained me were my teachers and they, then they were my coworkers oh, wow. and we became a couple of them. So it was kind of cool. It was a, uh-huh. such an amazing And they did have a wonderful, my English is from that school. So mm-hmm. I have, like, I owe them. I felt mm-hmm. like I owe them, like, thank you for training me and thank you for giving me the resource. Obviously oh, it wow. was 50% my effort because, because mm-hmm. right, I, I was a student. The thing is, um, they were like, and they are on the right path, mm. like toward developing more fluent speakers and not mm-hmm. just accurate speakers or mm-hmm. speakers for grammar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I remember we would, um, we went to Mexico, to Guadalajara, huh? where you live. Where right? I live, yeah. We went twice in 2018 mm-hmm. and 2019 for an know. international spelling bee competition by AMCO, one of the. Yeah, one of uh, very famous um, um, editorials. I think yep. is the word. Yep. Yeah. So it was such a fun experience, and we had fun. We didn't win a thing, but we had fun. <laughs> fun, and families had fun. I had a lot of uh-huh, fun uh-huh. in Mexico. I really want to go back, but um, those experiences were like hints. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was hints. Like this is what you really want to do. And but I was like kind of like ah maybe it's not <laughs> until mm-hmm. Emic hit and I was like oh yeah I'm you needed that push yeah just like we were saying other people need pushes too yeah and you're yeah. and you're so close actually we should see each other more often 
because we're not that far. We just share a border. And I was, yeah. uh huh. And I, I was going to ask you also about dur during those pandemic times, the, all that time. I don't know what the climate is like where you are in Guatemala, but here in especially especially in Guadalajara, my perception of time here, because I'm from a, a place where we have four seasons, right? We have a winter and a spring and a summer and a fall, and they're very different. Oh, yeah, too. But but mm -hmm. here. For to me, like a year can pass, and I'll say, is it is it Christmas? Is it Easter? I have no idea sometimes what the date is. So during pandemic, when we were all closed up and everything, how long has it been? It was so difficult for me. Did you have that same feeling during pandemic? So the thing is that the weather here is kind of consistent. Mm. So like last year and and this year, it has been uh, they have been crazy. Like the weather. I don't know, climate change and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But at least in 2020, 2021, like that was your hint. Oh, it's starting mm -hmm. to rain. Mm -hmm. If it started raining, oh, it's May. If it's mm -hmm. getting cold, it's October. Mm -hmm. um, if it's getting hot, it's April or March. So, so yeah, but I remember in Guadalajara when we got there the first time, um, we, so we arrived in Guadalajara at 7 p.m. Yeah. And we got to a hotel, to the hotel at it was the radisson i remember radisson mm. hotel i think i know exactly where we that got, is we got there at 7 30 ish mm -hmm. it was still sunny and we were like really tired and we settled in and we were like hey let's go for tacos we were in mexico <laughs> i'm like yeah, I'm, I'm hungry i'm starving we got to plaza del sol i think yep. is the name of, yep. the, of, mm -hmm. of the place we got there like 80 8.30-ish, yeah, and yeah. it was still sunny. It, that felt so weird. I was, like, tired, and I wanted to go uh -huh. to bed at mm -hmm. 9, yeah. and the sun was still up. Mm. And I was, like, so weird. Because you were coming from the far eastern side all the way to the yeah. west, so it was it was lighter out longer. Ah, oh, that makes sense. So yes. near Guatemala, the latest you see sunlight is uh -huh. 6.35 p.m. Really? Oh, with during In summer. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. No way. Winter, I'm 30 or 6. That, that's how I grew up, too, because I was on the East Coast of the U.S. And yeah, 5 o'clock in the winter, forget it. No more sun. When I was little, actually, it's funny. When I was small, I, I would look at a map. And I used to think that, when you know how on the maps, like, different states or different country countries, they had different colors, right? Like, I don't know how your map was, but, like, Guatemala was yellow and Mexico was purple on the map. And, like, uh, the United States was pink or whatever. I thought when I was a kid that you would go to the place and things would kind of be that color, right? Like you'd okay. have that shade, that tint of whatever. But so it was unkind. <laughs> yes. When I, so when I traveled, I didn't understand why everything was the same color. And so, so I think similarly, like you don't when you're when you're not in that mode, you think, oh, I just went to the West. But like the day seems different. Everything seems different, you know. And that was yeah. that was my experience when I was a kid. Yeah, it, it's a it's very different. Like mm -hmm. when I visited my sister for the first time, she lives in Tampa, Florida. Mm. And by the way, how do you say that state's name? That's how I say it. Yeah, Tampa, Florida. Floor, Florida. Like Florida. I'm walking on the yeah. floor. I have a friend from New yeah. York and he's uh -huh. differently. Does he say like Florida? Like ah? Something like that. Some, some yeah. people say that too. Yeah, in my in my accent, it's or Florida. and But yeah, I think I, even I, some people in Florida, they might say it like that, Florida. But I say Florida yeah, I, the way you did. No <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, so the thing is, when I when I got there, uh, it was night, mm. and I mean Tampa is 
a hot place, right? Mm, Florida mm -hmm. and humid, yeah. Really hot. But it was December, so I guess mm. they were. It was winter, but the cold that I felt that night was it hit different. It was huh. oh, like the the gates opened yeah. and my sister waiting for us like at at the gate like, out, outside the airport yeah, where okay. if you up and when the gates opened and I felt that air hitting uh -huh. my face. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I felt my cheeks like freezing. Mm. It was very cold because I uh -huh. guess in the US the weather is a little bit more extreme when it was hot, because then I went in June uh -huh. in 2019. It was uh -huh. so hot. I, I wanted to die. And you're suffocating uh, because it's so humid. When I went to Guanajara, I yeah. we went to Puerto Puerto Vallarta. Yep. I don't oh. I am not a beach person. Me neither. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm sure. it's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I got sunburn and like I only go in the winter because it's too much. I'm not a beach person yeah. anyways, but I don't like heat plus humidity. And it's funny when you say that Florida was cold for you because where I grew up was actually upstate New York, close to Canada. And we would have snow banks like much taller than oh, me, much, yeah. like two meters. Right. And you yeah. and literally when I was a child, we would dig a tunnel through the snow to get to the street and catch the bus because it was that much yeah. snow. So. So here in Mexico, when people say like, oh, it's so cold, right? I remember, eh, like, you don't know about cold. But then I went to this other city and everyone said, oh, it's going to be so cold there. And I thought, Psh, what are you talking about? And of course, I just, I don't even think I brought a sweatshirt. But I went there and I had to buy coat and hat and gloves because it was so cold in this one city in Mexico. And I wasn't expecting it. And I didn't really believe that people had the same sensibility as me for cold, right? But whew, I learned my lesson yeah. for sure. But yeah, I'm used to it. Like mm -hmm. uh, after a few months or, mm -hmm. or years, mm -hmm. you get mm -hmm. used to it, I guess. Like I've yeah. never lived outside Guatemala, <laughs> but mm -hmm. but it, um, I, I get, I suppose you get used to it. There's a place here call, called um, Xelajú, which is mm -hmm. in, no, Xelajú, it's mm -hmm. a, States, let's say in Guatemala, mm -hmm. that is the coldest place because uh -huh. I guess it's like really high, uh, like over sea level. Yep, yep. Elevation, level. high elevation, mm -hmm. and it's really, really cold. And I've never been there, and I'm so ashamed of saying this because <laughs> it's bad Guatemala. Mm -hmm. But I really want to go there, and they say it's it gets really cold, and it's one of the few, very few yeah. places where when it's winter. Like it's a bit snowy on the top mm -hmm. of the mountains, but just on the top of the mountains. Uh -huh. But the street is like the street is like frozen. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I really want to go there because I love cold. Mm -hmm. I was born in Puerto Barrios, which is like, you know, the beach. I yeah. was literally born there, but I've never lived there. Thank goodness. Uh -huh. So I never got used to it. Yeah, and you don't like the beach now either, so that makes that no. makes sense. Yes. No, so speaking speaking of countries and diversity and background, then and our both of our passions now that we have for English, my my question to you is specifically about rhythm. How do you find that that helps people learning learning more about rhythm, practicing rhythm, focusing on that? What what have you found to be, let's say, a benefit for people when they when their rhythm gets better? So there are two things like when people, um, so first people, there is like a misconception when people study rhythm or intonation and stuff like that, those features of language, they think they are, or they do it with the mindset of 
just improving their speaking mm. when it's actually you're listening first. And mm. then that input helps you not like be wired to the language, if that mm -hmm. makes sense, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or understand it better and easier. And that improves your speaking later on if you're intentional about it. So sometimes people get the wrong approach. They, mm -hmm. I want to improve my speaking and I'm going to study about rhythm. And I mean, yes, you can mm -hmm. imitate, you can practice shadowing, mm -hmm. you can do a lot of things, but you, you will still struggle with listening if you're just getting yourself used to repeating that intonation or using that rhythm. Yeah. And I mean, English is full of different accents and stuff, just the Spanish. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the two most, the two main benefits are you improve your listening skills yeah. and you improve your speaking skills as well when you study rhythm and intonation and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. And maybe somebody says, well, speaking is my primary goal. Who cares about listening? But really, I think everything comes down to communication, right? And and to be a good communicator, to be a good conversationalist, to probably make those connections with people, you want to listen better to other people. Right. Just, it's a just, way street, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. And you want other people to listen to you. So yeah, you want to be able to produce that and make it easier on them. But also you want to be able to catch as much from the other person as well. And people, we all forget that, I think. But I think a good thing like a, of a third thing or yeah. like a side effect would uh -huh. be your uh -huh. confidence. Boost your confidence mm -hmm. when you get the rhythm, when you understand people easily and you speak and you express yourself in a more fluent way or natural mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. That... Um, immediately boosts your confidence mm -hmm. when you speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think, I need to get confident. And they think that that's the goal. And in a way it is, but it's actually, it's usually the result of other goals, right? Or yeah. the result of other things, that's, you know? Yeah, it's a combination of things. Like, it all depends on what your main goal is. Mm -hmm. The process doesn't look the same for all of us, for yeah. each one of us. is different. Like, for me, for example, the, the most recent skills that I have been improving are my listening and my writing like writing mm -hmm. is probably the skill that i need to work on the most mm -hmm. i read a lot i speak a lot of course and i listen and stuff but writing since i've never used it much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think that if you if you have me write something i would probably feel like an intermediate or beginner <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean I a lot of words i know how to mm -hmm. write a thing mm -hmm. I haven't practiced it, not even in Spanish. So I, yeah. I would struggle in both. Yeah, exactly. And we all have different goals or different needs for sure. And if we're thinking about, for example, if we're thinking about rhythm and writing and speaking. I don't know if you've had this experience, but when you read two different things on the same topic and one just flows, one flows really well and it's well written and it sounds like the person's just speaking in your ear. And then you might read this yeah. other thing and it sounds a bit choppy. It sounds a bit, and it's not the vocabulary. It's not because, oh, this is an academic text, but it's the flow. And I feel like if yeah. somebody has good rhythm in speaking, that can transfer well to their writing. So they also become better writers, if that makes sense, right? Like the way that, the way that we put our thoughts down on paper, we can kind of see connections. We can see, oh, they chose this word, maybe subconsciously, but they chose this word because it links a little bit better, right? And it just sounds so much better. So maybe we can talk about the intersection between rhythm and how we communicate our flow, either our thought flow or even in writing. For example, I have trouble in Spanish because I am I am from an English background and our stress 
systems are different. Like our languages yeah. are just very different. And you said you went to this this great school that taught you so much. Maybe can you recall a time when you learned about like the difference between the different kinds of languages and rhythm? Yeah, like you mean like the difference between Spanish and English? Mm -hmm. Or in general, the two kinds of well, there's three, but two kinds of languages, like a stress timed language versus oh, yeah. another kind. Uh, syllable time language. Mm -hmm. So I there's always this joke about Latin American mothers and it is a silly thing, but it makes sense and it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, relevant to the topic. Let's hear it. So there's this joke that all Latin American mothers, when they spank you, mm -hmm. they do it syllable by syllable. Okay. Mother would say like, por que hiciste eso? And they start like hitting <laughs> you every time they mention the syllable. Oh. That wouldn't that wouldn't be possible in English when you uh -huh. think about it because uh -huh. you cannot just uh -huh. divide words into syllables. Uh -huh. so it's funny because Spanish is easy to identify those small chunks or mm -hmm. those small um, pieces of sound. Yeah. So, um, when you think about English, though, it's totally different. It's about mm -hmm. the melody, the music of the language, the stress, what is ah. most important message. So those are the two kinds of... Um, at, at least in Spanish and, and in English, that's the big difference. English is stressed timed mm -hmm. while um, Spanish is syllable timed. That means that in Spanish, every syllable counts and must be clearly pronounced. At, there is no standard Spanish accent, but at least in in clear communication, every syllable counts. Mm -hmm. While in English, um, it's not about syllables, but about stress, about mm -hmm. what's more important, what you want, what's the intention of your message. What words in that in one sentence or in one question you want the speaker to get first? For example, if in Spanish, I would say, um, ¿Qué harás mañana? ¿Qué harás mañana? ¿Cuáles son tus planes para mañana? You can listen to every single sound. But in English, I would not say something like, What are you doing tomorrow? Mm -hmm. It sounds weird and robotic. So mm -hmm. it would sound something like, What are you doing tomorrow? Mm -hmm. What are you gets reduced to what you what you're mm -hmm. doing tomorrow mm -hmm. so those changes and that um those um th those reductions and stressing some words or some syllables that's what makes english a lot different to spanish yeah and it's the it's like you said the intention of the message the keywords in the sentence yeah. right in this case you were asking a question what should do in tomorrow right clearly the you who cares? Because I'm talking to you. You know that. I'm talking so, to you. Um, exactly. We're not talking about your your sister or anybody else, right? What you doing tomorrow, right? Whereas, what are you doing tomorrow? Like you said, robotic, yeah. very, very staccato in a way. Yeah. I have the opposite problem. When I'm speaking Spanish, I don't sound the same. My syllables are not similar enough in length. So I imagine to somebody else's ear, like I'm sticking out these words and they're like, why are you speaking that way? I don't know what they think, but uh, they might be thinking that I'm speaking a little too dramatically or something. But that's noticeable. Right. It's and it's not necessarily yeah. wrong. Right. People understand your words. But in the case of somebody speaking English, we have a hard time following you because we don't know what the main idea of your message might be. We're we're working too hard because we're listening to every single syllable. And that's that's a little bit yeah. too much of a cognitive load for us sometimes. And what else do you want to tell us about the idea of like a time-stressed language in, and, and what it does to our rhythm? So 
the important thing about stress and things that people need to understand, like basic concepts are like, for example, content and function words, mm. which like when you understand that, when you can classify them, you don't memorize yeah. it or be an expert, but at least get like the general concept of it. So when you have in a, like, I'm going to go back to the same example. What are you doing tomorrow? Mm-hmm. In that question, as you said, you is not such an important word. Because my listener knows mm-hmm. I'm talking to them, right? Mm-hmm. So you in that in that specific context can be reduced. In other contexts, it can't. Mm-hmm. But in these mm-hmm. specific contexts, it can be reduced. So that word becomes like a function word. It just gives support or structure to mm-hmm. the sentence. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot totally skip it. At least like, in English. At mm-hmm. least in English. Mm-hmm. But um, I can reduce it enough. So mm-hmm. that my speech is more fluid, fluent, 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 um, flowing. Yeah. All the F, F words. <laughs> yeah. So contact or function words. So function mm-hmm. words are basically those words that do not hold the message of the mm-hmm. sentence. I like to think of it as the grammar words, the glue exactly. to the sentence. The yeah. grammar, like prepositions, mm-hmm. a pronoun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. While content words contain the message mm-hmm. and the meaning mm-hmm. and the sentence would make wouldn't make any sense without them. So mm-hmm. I need to hear the word what, doing, and tomorrow. Those mm-hmm. three words are important, mm-hmm. right? While are you are kind of like inferred. Even mm-hmm. if you don't hear them, you infer, okay, mm-hmm. this person definitely used them. It's just mm-hmm. reduced. And yeah. it's not a conscious thought. You're not yeah. always thinking, oh, they reduced this word. It's not a conscious thing. But when you study it and you yeah. are meticulous about it, um, it gets a little tedious, I understand, yeah. but when you p- start putting it into practice, that's when you start getting better, not only at speaking, but at listening too. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, content function words, stress. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you will, you will stress a specific word depending on, on the message. So if I, if in the sentence, I didn't kill him, mm-hmm. uh, the, the message can change a lot if I mm-hmm. stress a specific word. So I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. I didn't kill him. I'm, I'm trying to imply that it wasn't me. Yeah. I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Maybe I hit him up, but I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. I killed her. <laughs> so yeah. So the press, uh, that's stress, right? I, when the, the word that you emphasize yeah. in the sentence in English, that mm-hmm. is very important because that's like the core of how you will express your ideas. Yeah. And every once in a while, we might take a function word and we might stress it for clarity. If I just said, what are you doing tomorrow? Right. And then somebody else answered, I would be like, no, what are you doing tomorrow? Or maybe I said, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, okay. Well, what's your husband doing tomorrow? To contrast things, to clarify things. I might stress a word that I don't normally stress, or I might stress a word that I just stressed, but perhaps you didn't get it. So to clarify my meaning even further, I might stress it even more. So we've got consideration about which first language you're coming from. And by the way, it's not just black and white, right? It's not just, oh, was it a stress-timed or a syllable-timed language, right? For example, German is also a stress-timed language, but they just don't stress it quite as much as, as an American English speaker. So they might sound, to my ears, a little bit flat, right? There might be... I might feel like he's a little more emotionless, for example. And they might not think, oh, I have to really stress this word because they come from that language anyways. They feel like they're doing it. 
but I might not feel as a listener like they've done it quite enough, right? So I might notice something in there. And then also, as you said, the content and the function words, right? That's, that's my rhythm, that's my stress. And between the syllables and the words that I'm stressing, those content words especially, in, in Spanish versus English, right? If I am in Spanish doing every syllable and I don't stress a specific word, then my whole rhythm is going to sound very different. It's going to sound maybe more like, like a machine gun instead yeah. of, to me, like ocean waves, let's say. So those two things combined, I think, are, are giving something to our rhythm. And that is why I learned this a couple of weeks ago. Spanish is even faster than English. Mm, the words per minute? Yes. Yeah. A yeah. lot faster. <laughs> like, and I realized when I speak Spanish in a really fluent, natural way with my friends or I'm sending a voice note or something, and I'm helping a guy from New York. Mm -hmm. um, he's learning Spanish mm -hmm. and it's like very dedicated, but it, it's so weird when I have to slow down my Spanish. I am used to slowing down my English yeah. first because, to be honest, I don't speak super fast mm -hmm. yet. Like maybe <laughs> in the future I will, but I, I, I can't speak fast. But I, I mean, I'm not used to it because I'm always talking to my students. So I, I yeah. want to be clear, mm -hmm. my teacher voice. Mm -hmm. um, probably to you, we're speaking more naturally because we're both fluent speakers. Mm -hmm. But when I talk to him in Spanish, it is so weird. First, teaching Spanish is a lot harder. And second... It's my first time doing it, so ah. I have to slow down my Spanish, and it feels so weird and <laughs> unnatural. <laughs> I remember I told him, listen, let's practice throughout the week. I know we see each other once a week, but let's practice throughout the week sending each other voice notes. Mm. And to make his voice note, and I can listen to it kind of slow, but it's okay because I get it. But then when I try to respond, and I listen to my voice note. I'm like, mm. oh, no, that's too bad. So I unsend the message and I <laughs> send it again more slowly. And uh -huh. it feels weird. Mm. When you have to slow down your rhythm, when you have to slow down your English. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say the wrong uh, data, but I think, I think Spanish in general is the third fastest language spoken. And I think Mandarin is the it fastest. Is. Yeah, like, wow, wow. Mandarin, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like a train, boom, just going through there. And I feel the same way in Spanish, depending on the dialects, depending on the accents, right? But it's like that, and whoa, and nothing yeah. sticks out. And I feel like this huge cognitive load because I'm I'm paying attention to every single syllable, and it's and it's yeah. every participle and every suffix and every prefix and 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 wow, it's a lot and it's fast. But one thing I appreciate in Spanish is because it's so staccato, I know pretty easily where the words end and begin. Right? There's not yeah. there's not so much like blending and changing at kind of those boundaries of words like we do in our connected speech in English. Tell us your thoughts about connected speech in English. I think connected speech saved my life. <laughs> when I started learning about it, first it started making sense because I was wondering why do people connect all the words in English? Mm -hmm. Why do mm -hmm. native speakers love putting everything, squeezing sounds together? Mm -hmm. And when I started speaking more fluently and started studying about rhythm and connected speech and intonation, it, it all started making sense. Like, oh, this is why I say I worked on a project instead of I worked on a project, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or this is why I say 
is busy in, mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of is he busy, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still start making sense. This is one of the most common recommendations or tips I give my students. Study connected speech. They're mainly like depending on the literature, depending on what you read and the sources. Some people talk about three main uh, types of connected speech. Others talk about five. I know five. That is like what I stick to. But whatever you want to see it or mm-hmm. call it, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know the names or the terms, whatever. Just understand that English is about connection, putting sounds together because that makes it easier to mm-hmm. speak and express your thoughts. Yeah, and I think the intersection between rhythm and connected speech is an important one because, like you said earlier, right, in a syllable-stressed language or syllable-time language, every syllable matters. But in a time-stressed language or stress-time language, however you want to say it, the word that pops out, that's the most important word. So it doesn't matter in English if if the beginning mashes with the previous word or the end mashes with the next word. What matters is that you hit that important word and it pops out because the other words, like we said, don't matter. So our connected speech is just a way to keep that flow moving better. And I think that that's that's like the perfect bridge between those two. Exactly. We can go beyond words and talk about sounds. Some Mm -hmm. sounds don't matter sometimes when Mm -hmm. you're speaking. Mm -hmm. Or I remember this funny experience in school my students were presented a show and tell those famous Mm -hmm. show and tells Mm -hmm. and i think they did a project and they were explaining like the procedure i can't Mm -hmm. remember what it was but i do remember this his name is jose i remember him (laughs) Mm -hmm. um he was trying to say i don't remember i'm I'm gonna make it up so yo Mm -hmm. puse mm, yo puse la palabra en El cuaderno, something like that. Like he he was trying to say, I put the word in the notebook, something like that. Or I put mm-hmm. the, I'm going to say, I put the, I put the glass on the table. Okay. He was trying to say that. But again, since in Spanish, all sounds matter. For him, in his mind, all the sounds matter in that moment. So he ended up saying, I put the glass on the table. It, it cracked me up. Cracked me up. And then I had to explain, listen, sometimes to speak faster in English, you skip some sounds. So I put a, Mm -hmm. I put a, Mm -hmm. I put the glass on the table. I put the glass Mm -hmm. or put a glass. So you don't need to say the two in put always. (laughs) It was fun. It sounded like a swear word in Spanish. Yes. To to explain to everybody. Right. I got it when you said it because I know some Spanish, but for people yeah. who don't have this background, right? So the word oh, yeah. P-U-T-A in Spanish is, we can say, a not pl- a not uh, so polite word generally. So when this person was putting the word put with an A together and he said it, we could say a little bit too clearly because you could hear that T really pop. Whereas me, mm-hmm. a native speaker, I would change that T to what we call a flap T. And it would sound like a D sound almost or an R depending yeah. on your language. Yeah. Right. Put a, put a, I put a glass on a table rather than put, put a. I can understand why that word, when you put it together, it was a little too clear. So it made it sound like this. Other yeah. One. And when you think about the word, about the article A or A, mm-hmm. it's not even close to the real A sound that we have in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But we are biased 
Yeah. Our ears are biased in some way. So we have A, E, I, O, U. So everything that is close to each of those is, is that letter. We have words like beach and mm-hmm. the other word. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. No distinction. So, That's a really oh, good point. Uh-huh. That the, the sound of the vowels, and of course I have the opposite problem. I carry my bias from English where we have n- nearly 30 different vowel sounds and combinations, right? And I'm just used to my patterns. And I would say in Spanish, uh, if I were trying to insult somebody and I were trying to say this P-U-T-A word, right? I would probably say, I would say put a, put a, and then it wouldn't carry it off. It just wouldn't insult the person if I wanted to. And so my biases work the other way as well, right? Our, Our sound biases, I would, I would then connect those words in a way that I'm used to as well. And it just doesn't come off the same way. So. I, I feel you. I feel the problems that people have. <laughs> so it co- it all comes down to to connected speech, right? Like mm. mm-hmm. how important I think to understand so that you can like identify it when you're having the conversation and listen to it, and it mm. makes it easier to comprehend what people mm-hmm. are saying, mm-hmm. but also to improve what you're what you're saying, right? When you speak. So basic or most common ways or types of connected speech. Lincoln is probably the most common one, which is words that end in a consonant sound and the next word starts with a vowel sound Mm -hmm. you can just put them together and makes it a lot easier Mm -hmm. example i worked on my project yesterday Mm -hmm. so work that ed sound i worked on my project yesterday you can literally just put the t and the a sound of on together it makes it easier for you to say that sentence in in one bit our brains rebracket it instead of my eyes seeing w-o-r-k-e-d space o-n instead if i can get my brain to rebracket it i can say it more clearly for example i'm my brain is gonna think okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bracket these in a different way i'm gonna think w-o-r-k space t-o-n Work exactly. ton, work ton, work ton. I write it like that on the mm-hmm. board when I want to tell my students, listen, you are pronouncing the words correctly. You are yep. saying, I worked on my project yesterday. But again, you tend to sound a bit robotic because mm. you're not putting the sounds together. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally write it like that on the board. Yeah, yeah. I work based ton. I worked ton. on my project. Mm-hmm. I would be linking Another one that I found interesting because I I hadn't realized I do it when I speak English and it's very common in English is intrusion. Oh, in, yeah. There is like a new sound mm-hmm. that is not there really, but it kind of gets there in between words, especially when there is like a vowel or a semi-vowel at the end of the word and the next word starts with a vowel too. So for example, when, when we say things like do it. Mm-hmm. so. You can say like, uh, did you do it? And there is no sound in between. But some people say, do it, do it, wit. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a w, which is natural. Yeah. It happens yeah. in English. It's not a, apparently not a rule. I wouldn't call it a rule, mm-hmm. but it's a phenomenon yeah. that happens. And you need to understand it because it might get confusing if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're listening to or what you're, you're saying. If you're the listener, do it, you might think, do and then wit what's a wit right uh, you, you uh, could exactly. be confused if you didn't know that when we're gliding the vowels we tend to stick a y or a w in there and that's yeah. just how we glide those vowels it's how we how we connect that speech absolutely it's not in either word but boom it pops up 
as a way for your mouth to kind of do that. And the British do this too. They have something called an intrusive R. If you don't know that, you're thinking, where's that R coming from? You know, but then once you know, you say, oh, it just, it's just this do phenomenon you have an that happens in British English. Just... I'm trying to think of it. I'm going to do a whole separate podcast on intrusive R. So okay. I'm going to have tons of examples. Yes. From this guy that I really like. He's a dialect coach. His name is Mark Dallas. And he does, he does so much good stuff. So I want to, I want to have him give us a lot of examples of intrusive R because he can tell us exactly which, which dialects, which, which accents do it and maybe which ones don't. Cause I, I have a feeling there's more than meets the eye in intrusive R and I don't know enough about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause your question and let Mark kind of answer that. Too. Yeah. yeah. So a- another example of this intrusive sounds would be like, go out. We don't mm. say, I really want to go out. You don't make that pause between the words. Mm. Go out. Wa- mm-hmm. I want to go out. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. that sound, slight wolf sound yeah, yeah. that you can hear. Um, that is an example. Another mm. common example uh, that people don't get in Spanish and struggle with a lot is, um, I'm not sure if I pronounce it, I'm pronouncing this correctly, elision. Oh, elision, elision. Mm-hmm. Elision. Yeah, the spelling so, is E-L-I-S-I-O-N. It's like elision, illusion, elision. Yeah, I can see how it's hard yeah. to say. <laughs> uh, so elision is is not a new sound, is not connecting sounds. It is literally skipping a sound mm. or deleting a sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it happens when you have a stop consonant at the end of the word, of a word, and the next word starts with a different consonant. So sometimes it's super hard to make the transition from one consonant sound to the other because maybe the placement or the manner of articulation are totally different. So you can get all, uh, mm. I don't know. A million a different combinations. Yeah, like a ton yeah. of different things that could be or going on. Maybe the, those two ca- consonants have a very similar or close place of articulation. So for yeah, example, yeah. neck, door, mm-hmm. neck, door. Mm-hmm. So the t and the d. Your tongue is kind of like closed in the same position in your mouth. Yep. yep. What, what what is different is the how you release the air, right? Like mm-hmm. it's behind your upper teeth. So you say t t versus the 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 right. So it's sometimes hard to say next door because because you get kind of stuck. You skip the T and you forget about it and you ignore it and you say next door. You completely understand what people are saying. Yeah. He lives next door. Yeah. My next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes if you listen really closely, especially with these final T's and D's, like speaking of more than meets the eye, sometimes we absolutely drop it. Sometimes it's just gone completely. And then sometimes we, we do some other things to it as well. Like we mentioned earlier, the flap T, where you're mm-hmm. doing something a little different with that final T. Or we have a, a glottal stop sound which a lot of people think oh you dropped it no i glottalized it it's slightly different if you can hear it that's a nice skill or probably i think the most difficult one is one thing we call an unreleased t or d so your tongue is it's in position but you don't let any air out exactly Uh so a lot of people uh, say oh you dropped it i was practicing like before our meeting and these past few weeks because i'm preparing a course about these topics nice. for teachers. Mm-hmm. I want teachers to know more about this. Mm. And so I'm preparing a course for teachers. It's going to be free. Fantastic. Um, so, and I, and I do it every time I read or listen to someone explaining it, I, I do it like, okay, next door. And I realize, mm-hmm. oh yeah, my tongue is in position, but I'm not releasing the sound. It's right. very interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, another example could be most common. Mm. Right now, I said the T, like most common. Yeah. But it, again, it makes it tricky if you're speaking really fast and you can get stuck. So most mm-hmm. common, the most mm-hmm. common thing to do. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm going directly from the S to the K or C in common. Sk, yeah. Sk. Or maybe I'm doing S and then I'm pushing it forward, my tongue slightly before moving on to that K. So if you slow down and nothing's wrong, you can do either one. It doesn't matter. But just noticing and having that awareness, I think, gives you more skill. It gives you more choices that gives you more control over your muscle memory, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So not to say that one is wrong and the other one's right, but to say, hey, people do all of these things. Which one are you doing? Right. Or is there something else? And you don't always do it. It all depends on your on the rhythm and the intention of your message. If you are delivering a speech or doing and you're speaking slowly for any reason and you say so for example the most common things you make that pause because Mm -hmm. it's part of your speech or whatever you're definitely going to say it naturally like you're not going to ignore the sound if you're separating the words right Mm -hmm. so it's not again i don't call them rules yeah i don't like the word rules because then people think about grammar they think of grammar when they hear the word rules Mm. so it's not rules it's um, features or yeah. characteristics mm-hmm. or things you can play with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a resource. It's a tool you can use. It's not exactly. a rule that you yeah, have exactly. to comply with. It's mm-hmm. a tool you can take advantage of to mm-hmm. speak more fluently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another common uh, connected speech type, type of connected speech is assimilation. Yep. So this is the creation of a totally new sound as a result, as the result of the combination of two different uh, and very specific um, consonant sounds. This is very common in words like don't you, don't you. Mm-hmm. Or when you say things like did you, did you go? Like mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. you, did you, that j, j, j yeah. sound. J, 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 it's juice. the result of the and yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is assimilation. It's a creation of a new sound that is not actually there, but those two specific consonants can create it. We can be confused by the word assimilation sometimes because Assimilation could also be another meaning of that is when one word ends with a, any sound, more commonly consonant, and the next word begins with the exact same sound, and we just assimilate them and we put them together. So I can see how that's confusing yeah. for people because we use the same word assimilation, but here we're specifically talking about how does a T or a D interact with the next word to form something new? So there's two, just to be clear, there's two kinds of assimilation there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like reading a lot of sources, I have a mm. book, I was reading something on the internet and it gets confusing. That's why I always tell people, if you're really into this kind of stuff and phonology and stuff like this, like me, then go for it. Read mm. a lot of different sources. Yeah. It's not going to be tedious for you. Mm. But if you're just a learner and you, you just want to improve, don't call it anything. Just yeah. call it whatever you feel like and uh-huh. understand the concept. Because for example, in the book that I have, one type of assimilation is, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly, the word is a like palate. Oh, palatalization. Palatalization. Yeah. Uh-huh. The palate is the part of your roof of your mouth, we can say. You've got a hard palate in the front, and then if you drag your tongue back, you've got a soft yeah. palate in the back. Yeah. So palatalization. What did you find out about that? So it's the, it, it's the, it's the examples that I gave, right? Like mm. the j, the j, mm. that mm-hmm. creates mm-hmm. a new sound. Yeah. Um, well, the, the other one, I forgot the name. Like when, when you have 
you kind of create like a long consonant sound mm -hmm. or do you just use one mm -hmm. as if the phrase was written with yeah. just one of the cardinals. Uh -huh. For example, if, I, if you say um, things like social life. Uh, perfect, perfect. Uh -huh. Social life, social mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying one L. I don't need to elongate it. I'll, yeah. Like social life. It's just one for me. That's the other assimilation that we just mentioned, right? Social uh -huh. life, social life, social life. My social life is very boring, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when, when you talked about palatalization, that reminded me certain language backgrounds might have trouble with rhythm because it's a different system, but also the way that other languages mix words and, and sounds and do that too. For example, a lot of students who speak uh, Russian or Ukrainian as their first language, there's a lot of palatalization in English. Why? Because for them, normal to, to let's say, connect yeah. those sounds. And you have to kind of unstick them. Whereas for a Spanish speaker, I'd be trying to help, help somebody stick those things together and create those new sounds where it might feel unnatural. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. I think that, for example, for a French speaker, these are things that are very easy to understand because they do it a lot. They have mm. this thing. I learned this when I was studying French in Duolingo on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, it was a fail attempt. Um, <laughs> so they explain this liaison. I don't mm -hmm. know if that's the, mm -hmm. the English pronunciation or the yeah, French yeah, pronunciation. Would... I think in French it's li liaison, something mm -hmm. like that. It's oh. so many words from French. We just butchered them anyways. So oh, yeah. English, it's yeah. a French word like choir, for example. Uh -huh. It's another French uh -huh. word or, or croissant. So the thing oh. is, um, they use it and they explain it when for to French speakers because they do it a lot. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. those are things that maybe in Spanish we don't do. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So depending on where you're coming from, your connected speech may be completely different. It might be different in different ways and similar in some ways. And like we said, that's a really good bridge to why do we do connected speech? Because everything serves the master of the rhythm. And in English, the master of the rhythm is the word, right? It's the focus word or the content word, as you said. So everything has to serve that purpose. So that's why we do the connected speech. That's why we do the reduction. That's why we have content versus function words in the end of at the end of the day. Right? It's all it's all about the rhythm in the end. If someone asked me, like, oh, for example, the word asked, mm -hmm. we don't say asked uh -huh. all the time. We say asked. So mm -hmm, that's how mm -hmm. I said it right now. I, if someone asked me, like, Azdrubal, do I really need to study this? My answer would be, it depends. Like, mm. uh, I do it because I'm a nerd and I love studying <laughs> these topics. Yeah. Um, they have helped me a lot to improve. But other people improve just by listening. Some people mm -hmm. are such good listeners. They grab these features just by immersing themselves in the language and they can easily repeat it and imitate it and reproduce it mm. or replicate it. Mm -hmm. But for me, it wasn't, that was not my case. I mm -hmm. needed to do it meticulously. I needed to mm. study, mm. repeat. It was a very, it was such a conscious process and now it's natural. Mm. So it depends. Your learning journey is, doesn't have to look like mine and, and vice versa. Mm. So my my answer it would be like it depends on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. But for example, if your pronunciation and I'm not talking about your accent, I'm talking about your pronunciation. If your pronunciation or the way you play with the melody and the musicality of the language is affecting how effectively you express your ideas, 
then go for it. Study. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you have, if you're creating, if you're using contrastive sounds, mm -hmm. or, and if you don't know what a contra contrastive sound is, if you're watching this, mm -hmm. um, like it's like a disconnect or a, it creates like a problem of communication. Mm -hmm. For example, in pronunciation of words, like if you say thank you instead of thank you, mm. we completely understand that. So mm -hmm. no problem there. That is not, that's, that's a non-contrastive sound. Yeah. Versus if you said bitch instead of beach, yeah. then that's a problem, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> a small problem. So, so that, those are contrastive, non-contrastive things. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my answer. Like it depends on your goal. Mm -hmm. And for example, a very common example in Spanish is in English. In Spanish, we use rising intonation for mm -hmm. all of our questions. Mm -hmm. Information questions and yes or no questions. Mm -hmm. We say yes. ¿Cómo te sientes? Eh, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in English, we have rising intonation for yes and no questions and falling mm -hmm. intonation for WH questions. So mm -hmm. I don't say, uh, where do you go? I yeah. say, where do you go? Mm -hmm. Where do you go? Mm -hmm. Versus, are you angry? Mm -hmm. Or are you angry? Mm -hmm. So different types of intonation that probably in Spanish are not used for the same thing. Yeah, and so, I feel like the, the intonation, the rhythm... The connected speech, right? Some of it's about accuracy and where you put your tongue, but most of mm -hmm. it is about how I'm connecting with this other person. So exactly. particularly intonation, let's say. If somebody asks me a question, depending on how they intonate it, I'm going to pick up a different tone. I'm going to say, oh, are they being sarcastic? Oh, yeah. are, are they serious right now? Are they, you know, what's going on there? So there's a lot behind it that, that there's meaning that maybe you want to give and you're not giving or meaning that you're giving and you don't mean to give, right? So all of those things yeah. can be go towards the, the connection. And I think um, you, you mentioned about being intentional. You mentioned about what you're knowing, what your goals are, and maybe knowing how your, your preferences are too and what you like to do. And there's this myth of, about rhythm and things like that. I hope maybe you can dispel it for us. Some people think that fluency is speaking fast. That's it. If I can oh, speak no, fast, I'm fluent. No, goodness. Like, and I used to think that and I regret it because that was part of my frustration. Why am I not speaking fast? I'm not fluent, but I am fluent, even if mm -hmm. I don't speak fast. And the mm -hmm. same is the same goes to you. Like if fluency has more to do with how automatically and naturally you can use a language, whether it is in writing or speaking, fluency applies to everything, even reading. I am mm -hmm. a fluent speaker, but I can be a non-fluent uh, reader, for mm -hmm, example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some people read very fluently, and but they don't speak fluently. And this is this is all, not just for second languages; it's also for your first language. Mm -hmm. Like I am becoming less fluent in Spanish when I speak in public because I'm not used to it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't mm -hmm. do it anymore. I speak in English twenty-four-seven now, so I struggle recording a video in Spanish now. Uh -huh. Sometimes explaining things in Spanish, but because I'm getting used to just speaking in English, in my everyday life I can have a very fluent conversation in Spanish with my friends, but that is a com casual conversation. Mm -hmm. So fluency is complex, mm. not difficult. It's complex, and yeah. it's not about speed. It's not about how fast you speak. It's about um, how naturally and automatically you can use the language. If you're able to understand what people are saying think in English and have an automatic response 
in English, that's fluency. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned earlier listening and the power of listening. And in fact, we can also be fluent listeners, right? Or not. And so if I'm having trouble listening to somebody, it might be because they are not doing the, the rhythm that I expect, right? It might be it might be because I am expecting something different and, and I'm getting something choppy. And I'm thinking, okay, is that because they don't quite know what they want to say or is it because they don't know how I'm supposed to hear it? Right. And they, they don't, they don't know, maybe know that. And so when they're speaking, my listening comprehension can be impeded a little bit. Even if I'm a fluent listener, when I'm listening to somebody yeah. else, I can't listen to them fluently. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Because I know it, people it have does. trouble with me in Spanish. Yeah. I mean, it happens when my students, for example, when I'm explaining something to them or asking them questions, I know they understood what I, what I said, but the, you know, your brain works with self-preservation. So mm. if for your brain, you feel like in danger when you don't understand a thing or you're, you're, you fear not understanding what someone says, your brain automatically uses the research sense that it's more used to, mm. aka your first language. So when I ask my students something, we're having a discussion or something like that, I know I can see in their faces, they understood every single word I said, mm. but their their automatic or first response is, a ver, dijo, and they mm. repeat the question in Spanish. <laughs> now, as a mechanism. For example, if I ask them like, so what do you do on the weekend? And they're like, el fin de semana. And they uh -huh. say it in Spanish, uh -huh. Uh -huh. which is not wrong. Spanish yeah. is a tool that you yeah. can use for learning. But what I do is, okay, listen, if you didn't get the question or you want me to repeat it, you can ask me or you can repeat the question in English. Mm -hmm. Repeat, what did I do on the weekend? Mm -hmm. So that way you're training your brain mm -hmm. uh, thinking in English. And you don't switch back and because it's, it's hard mm -hmm. once you code switch into another language or dialect or accent. Right, you you switch. It's really hard to switch back. It's hard to get out of that mode. So I think that's a that's an excellent tip, actually. And if you have any more any more tips or anything else that you want to add to today, feel free because I'm sure our listeners are benefiting a lot from what you say. Oh, I hope it all comes down to comes down to be intentional. Like whatever your goal is, that's the main thing. You need to be clear, and you need to know what your goal is what your objective is. Like I have students and each one of them, um, they want to reach a completely different outcome. Some of them want to work in call in a call center. So mm. they need to speak fluently. Yeah. And so probably we don't focus on reading too much. Yeah. And on the phone but, too, like speaking on the phone is very different because you don't have that feedback. Mostly they're not yeah. video calls. So you don't have that feedback of knowing, for example, if the intonation is off, what is this? person yeah. feeling or trying to make me feel because I don't see their face. So, so yeah, we would work with totally different strategies. But if a student wants to uh, pass a certain exam, English exam, I don't do much exam preparation because mm -hmm. that's not something I'm passionate about. But I have helped, for example, I helped someone prepare for the TOEFL speaking section. Um, and it was challenging for him because when we were practicing the questions, um, he wanted to give a fluent answer, but mm -hmm. he wanted a real answer. And I was like, listen, mm -hmm. I care about your opinion, but the examiner 
that I care about your opinion. So don't try to give me an intellectual answer. Mm -hmm. Give me a one, even if you're making it up. Yeah, who cares? They just want to listen to your English. Truth doesn't matter. If you you think um, stealing is okay, they don't care. They're not evaluating your opinions. So the question was like, do you agree or disagree? Oh, yes. For example, do you agree or disagree that um, dogs are better than cats? Uh Something like that. So he was like connected, like, Mm -hmm. but I have a dog. So listen, when I got my first dog, no, like, okay, I get your story. And I really want you to say it to me. And when we have a regular class, we can talk about your dog. (laughs) But right now, have 30 seconds to prepare your answer and to to respond. So Mm -hmm. what I need is give me one reason and give me two examples. Yes, exactly. Dogs are better than cats. Okay, why? Yeah. Dogs are more loyal and cats are kind of cranky. Okay, that's all. Tell me. Done. Done. Yeah, exactly. Done. So, you know, plan your goal, like be intentional about your goal and Mm. work towards it. But you need to be clear and have a clear um, objective in mind. Multiple goals. And you can have the same, like you said, the same kind of content for different purposes. Right. Oh, now I'm just talking with my friend and my dog just died. And I'd like to tell you how much I love dogs. And now I'm, I'm at the TOEFL or the IELTS and I got to give this answer in 30 seconds and they don't care how I really feel about dogs. They're looking exactly. for words like however. They're looking for connected speech. They're looking for rhythm. Everybody knows that. You're not helping yourself by, by putting that other goal there. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and also, can you tell us where to find you? Because I think people will be very interested in, in you know, talking to you and, and maybe any services that you might have now, anything you want us to do right now. Sure. So this year I decided I wanted to focus on conversation. So I'm, I started my speaking club, um, the 2023 edition, I call it. Nice. And we're meeting on Thursday night, 7.15 p.m. But there's like a limited um, amount of students that I have because I really want to keep it real. I cannot have a conversation with 30 students. Mm-hmm. So I have a limit of 15. And right now I, I think I have 12. So I've got three spots available mm-hmm. and but I also want to open new groups of the same conversation uh-huh, club. So yes. I'm thinking about Monday night and mm-hmm. Wednesday night, Guatemala time. That's 7 mm-hmm. p.m. Guatemala time or Central America. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to do. So if you want to practice your conversation and just meet new people and feel safe making mistakes and getting feedback on your pronunciation and your speaking, uh, this might be a good option for you. And I also work in private lessons like I get new students every now and then mm-hmm. right now I'm full I'm thankful for that yeah, but yeah. I feel sad that I can't get new students so mm-hmm. if you want to get a private lesson with me or on a monthly basis you want to have mm-hmm. eight lessons a month or twice a week or whatever you want it's mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. you can um, fill in the form that is on my website for my waiting list and I'll contact you once I have a free spot that matches your schedule Excellent. And then we're going to put all those links down in the show notes as well. Do you have any other final thoughts that you want to say? First, I want to say thank you so much for coming, Azruvel. I love talking to you anytime, but especially about things that you're passionate about, like rhythm and connected speech and content words, function words. All of these things I think are, are super helpful. And I want to thank you again for coming today. No, thank you for having me. Like since the first time we went live together on Instagram, I was like, I'm I'm glad I met someone who is just as passionate as I am about helping people mm-hmm. and helping them feel confident. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes even though we might work with 
totally different um, student profiles, it's great because we complement each other in some way, right? Exactly. Like we, we, we have so much value to add to the world and to one another. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool meeting you. Thank you for having me. And some final thoughts would be maybe stop focusing on quantity. Like don't focus on how much you practice, but how how efficiently you do it. Like mm. people want to memorize thousands of words in a few weeks. And that's just, it is not impossible. If you don't work and you just study English 24-7, probably you'll make it, but that's not the case. Be realistic, but also be passionate about it. Enjoy the process. English learning is not about an end. There is no end to the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So enjoy the road. Enjoy the road because there is no destination. You're not, you won't arrive in any place. It's just the journey and every step you take, you get better and better. Even if it's little progress, that's still progress. Mm -hmm. So focus more on quality. It's better if you know four words, but you know the synonyms and the antonyms and the formal and formal ways to say that versus knowing 20 words that you barely even can define or use. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, Mm -hmm. be intentional while you're learning, uh, be consistent. Um, Consistency beats intensity. And I realized that when I started uh, taking it seriously, I wanted to study for hours every day, but that became overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So it's not about hours. It's, it mm-hmm. can be minutes as long as you do it every day. Yeah. And if you want to hit me up on Instagram. Don't worry. All the links are going to be in the show notes. And yeah. And if, if anybody has any extra questions, absolutely. If anybody has any extra questions, they know where to find you. They know where to find me. And thanks again for coming today. And I feel like it was it was excellent. We have a great dynamic. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. In yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know Thanks. when I go back to Guadalajara because I'm yes. definitely going back. Definitely. definitely. Yes, you're invited for sure. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for listening today. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Once again, I want to say thanks so much to Azdruval for joining me today to talk about basic rhythm in American English and your accent. And thank you so much for listening. And now what I want you to do is join my Discord community. You can get free accent help every Wednesday in my office hours on Discord. It's a free link in the show notes. If this episode was helpful to you, you can subscribe, please, and leave a review. It really does help. I'm Accent Coach Bianca, and I want you to know that your voice is your choice.